0: to another episode of Authentically Detroit, broadcasting live from the Lower East Side here in the city, powered by the East Side Community Network and sponsored by none other than the Ford Foundation. We're a content partner to the newbridgedetroit.com. I'm Rolando Bailey.
1: And I'm Donna Giffins davidson
0: Thank you for listening in and supporting our efforts to build a platform of authentic voices for real people on the east side of Detroit. We want you to like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast on all platforms. We drop a new episode every week, so be sure to turn on your notifications. Today, we're so happy to welcome resident leaders on the east side who are on the front lines of impact to a lot of the policy and happenings that we talk about on this show. Michelle Jackson, is a resident in the Chandler Park neighborhood. She is the climate equity organizer at Eastside Community Network. She is the co chair of the Lower Eastside Action Plan Coalition Steering Committee. And she was a LEAP fellow and a member of the Neighborhood Advisory Council during the community benefits process for the FCA expansion. Michelle, welcome to Authentically Detroit.
1: And you know, before we go on, Michelle is also the president and CEO of Smalltown. Farms, I believe, and Smallville. and Smallville Farms. I'm sorry. I'm changing the name of your organization. Smallville Farms. <laughs> What's the other organization, Michelle? Um, Channel
2: Park. Well, Channel Park Neighborhood. I'm vice president of the Channel Park Neighborhood Association. And Sustainable Community Farms is actually the 501c3 for Smallville Learning Farms. So Smallville <laughs> Learning Farm is actually the farm name.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And
2: uh, Sustainable Community Farms is the nonprofit that carries smallfield. All right,
1: All right, thank you. And then also a co-chair of the green infrastructure, one of the committees for the, um, the green task force for the city of Detroit.
2: Yes, so I actually uh, co-chair the organics waste, um, organics recycling committee with the green task force, um, along with Myrtle Thompson from Freedom Freedom. And so, yes, we uh, do that with the Green Task Force, and we newly um, added another committee, which is um, deconstruction and construction. And so, we are looking to make sure that we push um, the Detroit Sustainable Agenda through the work of the Green Task Force and our residents. So, Michelle, you know that's so interesting,
0: especially around the deconstruction piece. I don't know if you remember, but back when that. First wave of HHF money were, was coming to the city of Detroit back in 13. Not only was demolition a priority, but deconstruction was also a priority uh, that the city had put on, the uh, that the city said it wanted to do to salvage some of the uh, salvageable and irreplaceable materials in some of these homes. And there was supposed to be a deconstruction hub and all of that. And all of that stuff never happened. And so that's really it. Michelle's covering her face. But I I think that's great that the city is talking once again about, you know, deconstructing, so.
2: Thank you, thank
0: you. Dolores Orr is also joining us. She is the treasurer and a committed resident volunteer at the East Village Association on the Lower East Side. She is also the co-chair of the LEAP Neighborhood Improvement Committee and she has been involved with the Lower East Side Action Plan since its inception way back in 2011, 2012. Dolores, welcome to Authentically Detroit.
3: Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And to uh, this is my mm-hmm. first experience on a podcast, so uh, bear with me. But I'm excited to be here. I'm also the president of Cadillac Boulevard Block Club. And I'm a member of the of the steering committee uh, at okay. Eastside Community Network. Yes,
1: yep. and also you are. Don't you work at a school, Dolores, or have you stopped your work inside schools? Uh, no,
3: no, no, I no, I'm not. I'm not in a school, but I volunteer at a school. Okay, so yeah. I'm not, Yes, I do volunteer with. Um, uh, The academy right there that's on uh, enterprise Detroit Enterprise
0: Detroit Enterprise. I also
3: do some volunteers, some work over at Waldorf periodically.
0: Okay, I'm
3: just applying at Waldorf for a uh, a position there uh, to this week, as a matter of fact.
1: We'll we'll keep our fingers crossed
3: there. There Amen. (laughs) We're thankful for for that. Thank you. So you guys are
1: awesome, awesome, awesome. Our houses. It was so funny, Donna, when, when,
2: when she first said she volunteered, I was, I was going to quick jump in and say, well,
1: everybody, but I didn't. <laughs> a, you know, and that, that that's a beautiful thing. And that's, um, before we get started, that's one of the things I want everybody to know about the east side of Detroit is um, it's not the housing, it's not the streets, the trees, it's not even Belle Isle. It is the people on the east side of Detroit who bring so much rich, leadership and experience and passion for the community that cannot be duplicated. And it mm-hmm. makes living here a beautiful thing because you're living among beautiful people. And you know that's not always what get, gets talked about in the news. When we talk about our vision for community development, and we talk about the expertise of people in the community and the uh, residents being experts, it's not some patronizing thing. Well, you guys live here. You guys bring rich employment histories, rich volunteer histories, and you've studied and know things about the community that really um, round out the any work that organizations like ours try to do. So um, I'm a power to the people. I'm excited to have you here. Um, two women who are um, just after Women's History Month who have been making it happen at ECN, as leaders at ECN, even before I got to ECN.
0: Um, you want to know something down to the common thread too uh, with both of these women uh, is they are committed to raising up the generations that follow them uh, at small little farms and with even Dolores's uh, work volunteer work at the schools, uh, they understand that their work can only be sustainable if young people are a part of it and then brought into it, and you know, it was so funny. I remember when Michelle Jackson got hired. I I didn't I didn't even know Michelle Jack. I was in my own little world. I didn't even know Michelle Jackson was in a running for anything. And I walked down the hallway, and Michelle was walking down the hallway. And she's like, "I'm your new coworker." And the funny thing, the funny thing about that is. Uh, I grew up knowing Michelle Jackson, Michelle Jackson is part of the village of women that raised me. She's good friends with my aunt. It's just, the, it's the craziest wow. thing. And so yeah. family, family on the east side. We are family, yeah, family. on the east yeah. side.
2: <laughs> and we do. Um, I, I think that's another thing about, um, you know, a lot of people try to say the east side and the west side, and they try to make up these little things and, and tag folks. But the one thing that I do know that the east side has that the west side doesn't is that we we gel as a family. When, when, when you're a family on the east yeah. side with the organization, with other families, with a community, that is people know, they understand and they look at you and they they support you and, and they stay together. And so um, that's one thing I know true holds for the east side. Yeah. We are like a real family over here on the East Side for real.
0: Don't get We're us in great. trouble with the West Siders. They got family on <laughs> the West Side. Too. Don't get us. Don't uh uh-uh, uh. Do no, I'll, I'll tell
1: you um, As a native West Sider,
0: <laughs>
1: uh-uh. as a native West Sider who grew up on the West Side and came East as a young adult, and then came back East as middle aged adult, um, the East Side feels like a small town. Mm -hmm. much more so than the West side. Mm -hmm. Every aspect of what a small town is, people being very friendly, very welcoming. And um, so there is a different culture. It feels more Southern to me Mm -hmm. in all the right ways. Right? You just imagine this, 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 you just retain more Southern heritage on the East side than on the West side where everything seems to move fast and everything is a competition and Mm -hmm. everybody's trying to, uh, it, it just feels more like a big city. And well, more we like a settled
0: household. here first, right down on the east side.
1: We Jamal here first.
0: Yeah. We settled so we've retained
1: a lot of that culture yeah, in this yeah. community in ways people on the east side stay, get degrees and stay. Yes. Yeah. Get good jobs and stay. People stay. on the east side are not eager to leave the east side. So um, that is a At beautiful all. thing about the community. And I'm not saying nobody's left, but you have a whole lot of people. Who choose to be here. And it's important, yes. so important yes. that people understand that this is a neighborhood of choice for many people who are here, even neighbors, even blocks where you see a lot of blight, even when blocks where you see that there's been disinvestment by the city and the city has not made um, some of the right decisions, people stay. And I think they it stay. is that family connection, that yeah. sense of. I'm connected not only to these people, but to these streets I'm on. And I'm going to stay here and fight it out that I think is just really beautiful. And so thank you for welcoming me uh, for the second time to the East Side, <laughs> yes. uh, for the second time to East Side Community Network, and for the second time, well, first time is Warren Connor, and then the second time to the East Side, because the other thing is I've always felt welcome here. And um, I think that when people move here from other places, it's a very welcoming community.
0: Mm-hmm. Dolores, did you
1: go to say
3: something? Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, it's so it's so like family. You can be in a different neighborhood. And they say, you know, that's Alma's daughter over there. Don't you remember them? They were living over there. Or that's that's Ms. Price's uh, grand, granddaughter's son, the granddaughter's uh-huh. mother or whatever, you know, because you know each other. You've been there for so long, you know, you have longevity. And like you say, Donna, most of the people here stay here. They don't go to other parts of the city like, uh, some Westsiders might come
0: to the east side. Listen, listen. I am listen, <laughs> y'all are gonna get us all kind of emails <laughs> from the West. Side. Yeah, that's, that's, that's,
3: that's the way, that's the way the family goes, you know? Yeah. It you is.
0: It was divorced. Yeah. It is. <laughs> how, how are y'all? Are y'all feeling all right? It's we're recording this on a Friday. We'll also be releasing it the same day. How y'all how's the week for you guys? How's it going? You oh Go ahead
3: first divorce. Oh my goodness, it has been so busy Orlando and just like today when I'm done with this and Blake is his last class is at 1 30 then I have to go in Canvas because we're having a um with uh ECN there's uh one of their fellows will be uh will have her project over where our project our park well not park but our garden and picnic area is so we're starting to clean up there tomorrow so we're canvassing today we canvassed earlier in the week we've uh we've been we did so many things and then we're i'm involved with uh great water great water is having their constructing two apartment buildings on in our area Mm. right there on kerchival and crane which is right right adjacent to our picnic area. So I'm partner they partnered with us. So we're doing things with them every day. We're working with the pottery. Uh we've had one of our board members is now a board member at the pottery here. And so the pottery is involved in things that's going on over here. So we're all working together. Did
0: you know Donna yes. was a board member
3: there too? I'm sorry.
0: Donna's a board member at oh, the I know. pottery. I
3: know, yes, <laughs> I know. So uh Donna, Martha is, a board, is a new, the newest board member there. Oh,
1: I know, and I'm yes. really, really happy to have yes, resident so representation happy. at the table with Absolutely. me. Absolutely. That's something I've actually been fighting for okay. is the fact that Puabic is a beautiful institution inside of a neighborhood. And so my role on the board has been to remind Puabic, and they've been very receptive to this, actually made me vice chair. Um, I am the voice that says that I want them connected to the very physical neighborhood that they're in. Um, the Puabic should really kick off redevelopment of the blocks surrounding. It's a beautiful area. All of those beautiful homes that can use a little bit. And that means connecting to the people. And um, it's a very, the board has been very receptive to that. And Martha will, I'm certain, bring yet another voice to the table that will help move that. And yes. we have some other voices. Yes. And people. I'm
3: right here. I'm right mm, a few doors from the pottery.
1: Mm. So, so
3: we've had a relationship with them. I've had a relationship with them for a while.
1: Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and I love I, you're on Cadillac. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful street. It's one of my
0: favorites. I love Cadillac. Oh God. I
2: love Cadillac too. It, it, oh, it it's like good. when you go down Cadillac, it is so many. Um the architectural, uh, the the homes, yeah. the way that they are, some of those four it's family it's flats. Tall, yes, yes,
3: yes. Mm-hmm. And even though they look like four family flats, they're not, they're single oh, they're, homes. The majority of them are single homes. Yes.
0: Wow. Between I, Cadillac I would,
3: and Kergeville. Yes. Very few multiple dwellings. I, I would never
2: okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, that. Because Even just, driving down, huge. you would think. Yes.
3: yes. It is huge. Yeah.
2: But yeah. I, I I like the pottery too. Um, I've been there once. Um, I've gotten a couple of little gifts from okay. um, yes. the, the pottery from people coming to Detroit and conferences when they do it but uh i know one thing they did i think they do something called the bowl um it's something with the bowl where people make bowls or some type of fundraiser yeah. the bowl yeah the right yeah so um i would like to do that one with them Uh well let
3: me tell you something, something else you can do there you can have you can celebrate you can have a celebration there i celebrated my 70 72nd birth 71st birthday party there okay and uh okay. the the Everyone that came, they had a, a chance to make. They made their own pottery uh, piece.
1: The oh, own, their somebody, own pottery. somebody
0: on our podcast telling lies, talking about she had a seventy first birthday. Somebody, I, know, right? I was
1: <laughs> like, was that last year? Or had <laughs> to be <laughs> <laughs> really recent. No, it was a few years ago. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, okay, oh, you're as bad as Ron Isley getting up there talking about, he <laughs> said, "Yes, oh, yeah. I was shocked." <laughs> okay, okay,
3: <laughs> yeah. But you can do that michelle you know and just just having an uh an event there you can have your events there you can then you can bring your own beverages you can do that's a lot of a, things in the pottery that people don't know about
1: that's oh, an, okay that's, I, I, ideas are spitting in my head for ecn <laughs> right and, um Puabic having some type of joint event that lets the community know more about what Puabic does so i'm going to try to yeah. leverage this conversation to yes. uh, result in something because yes. it is absolutely beautiful there. The grounds are beautiful. The plans for expansions yes. are mm-hmm. just amazing. And it's yes. our jewel. Right.
3: It right is. They're, it they're is. expanding like right next door to me. Mm-hmm. Well, the just door right house. there, that lot next to me. Well, the house and, and, the,
1: and the pink house.
3: No, no, not that house, but yeah, on, the, on the the Cadillac. B-
1: Oh, okay. Yes.
3: Grounds on Cadillac, they're going to use uh, that lot there. Uh, right. right. And there on the just corner.
1: purchased another house. Um what's not on on that there's um a house that was just purchased to expand um right. on that side. So yes. um we've yes, got a great site plan. Really excited about it. Um and um so just excited to learn more about what's going on, on the east side from your um perspectives. Um So it's not, we're recording late in the week um, because it's been a busy week. Yes, it has. (laughs) You want to know how my week has gone. I've been working, um, you know, until past midnight, the past few nights, just trying to get this project taken care of. Um, so that's why I, I need my morning coffee, and I'm over here having a hot flash trying to figure out how to play it off, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm like my glasses are fogging. What's going on here? That's what I'm dealing with.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, Michelle, how you feel?
1: I feel good.
2: I I have had uh, I've had a wonderful week. I've gotten um good news on some ends, you know, uh working on projects and in, in the community, the neighborhood. Uh, extending no, no, no. No, no. Okay. the fellowship, you know, from last year, continuing to do some You're of those particular no, no, no. things. We're going to do some movie nights in the neighborhood for the community. Um, yeah, doing a little cleanup. We recently were uh, awarded a, 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 a grant to do some compost pilot projects. And so on the 24th, we're looking to have um, a Earth Day event around, you know, passing out some compost as it results to lead in the soil, lead in water and lead in paint. So, you know, being able to pass that out to people and, you know, bringing awareness to that and compost and, you know, getting people excited around learning how to compost. And then uh, after that, we'll be doing a, a workshop around green chairs, not green lights. And so um, I don't know if some of you guys heard of that, but it's about getting people back to the front porch. And, you know, you know how it used to be when we was little, folks sat on their porch and did a lot of watching. We didn't have surveillance. And so, you know, it's it's a way of us saying that we can actually get back to, you know, looking at our own neighborhoods. We don't need necessarily surveillance to come in and make us say that. Because we know how to do it, and so with the uh, campaign, the green um green chairs, not green lights. We're gonna do a workshop, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, try to start kick that off for this year. That so supporting awesome. that take program. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. We 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 idea. should talk offline about that because that really sound that sounds like something Bridge Detroit would love to pick up. Um, oh
2: well, good good, and year. so. Yeah, and then we also have a piece of property that we've um, had as our office. And so um, uh, the man that owns it retired. And so now that he's retired, he told us he's going to donate it to us. So, you know, it's a, we're going to build it out as a sustainable kitchen and we should actually be open um, probably the end of July, beginning of August. So yeah, yep, yep. Looking forward to that. So yeah, we just... Yeah, I'm, I'm in a good space. I'm loving it. i um, loving what we're doing. You know, uh, the agriculture movement is still happening. You know, making sure that we are growing um, chemical-free, healthy food for our community. You know, um, also, you know, this year we're going to do a push with herbs. So um, we're going to um, do a little side program and hope that folks want to get into herbs. And so we're looking at um, trying to use herbs as a immune booster and mm-hmm. getting So we'll be doing some of that. So we'll definitely uh, come back and share that with you guys. But yeah, I am, I am. I am just happy about uh, the weather, being able to do yes. these things, yes. you know.
3: You.
2: Yeah, we have about three trees to plant. We lost um, some folks. A few years, Um, three years ago, we lost somebody, two years, last year, and year before last. And so uh, last year in the neighborhood. And so uh, we're planting three trees this summer, you know, Mm -hmm. in memories of them and putting a plaque up for them. So yeah, yeah, you know, um, yeah, I am. I'm in a good place. I'm very thankful. Um, I know that, you know, it's nothing but the creator. It's nothing but the creator. So yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes, yes. So I love that. that. Oh, I love that. We got a
2: bird classroom coming. So, you know, I'll let y'all know about the bird classroom. It won't be anything big, but yeah, we have a bird classroom coming.
0: Definitely. Okay. So, yeah. It's time for Fresh Off the Press, news that we are thinking about. If you have pieces that you want discussed on Authentically Detroit, you can hit us up on our socials at Authentically Detroit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email us at AuthenticallyDetroit at gmail.com. Donna, fresh off the press.
1: Um, Michigan's redistricting panel to interview experts who guided um, the Arizona process. And um, so the Michigan Redistricting Commission was formed as a result of a 2018 ballot initiative, voters, not politicians. We actually Um, on um, in our stakeholder advisory group meeting on Tuesday um, interviewed some of the people from that uh, initiative who are trying to help people inside of communities develop communities of interest and redraw boundaries that are not guided by political partisanship. And um, I mean, it's supposed to be nonpartisan, it is nonpartisan, but we know that in Michigan political partisanship has meant that Democrats have been underrepresented at the State House that if you added up all of the votes of Democrats in Detroit, you would find that, um, that we, I mean, in Michigan, you find out the Democrats got more votes in state elections, but there were more, many more Republicans elected because of gerrymandering and because they were able to draw hyper partisan district. So this article that is
0: by, I'm sorry, Sergio Martinez Beltran. Sergio Martinez
1: Beltran, thank you. um, With um by Bridge Detroit in partnership with Bridge Magazine, um discusses a lot of this. Um this um they are in let's see, they're introducing Bruce Adelson of the Maryland-based Federal Compliance Consulting LLC to help ensure the panel adheres to voting rights laws as it draws districts for congressional and state legislative seats this year. Um, And, you know, they can err in more than one direction. There's a concern by some Republicans that um, he, at least one, that he um, may be a partisan to Democrats based on past work with President Obama, but it's also clear that he has worked to support um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and others, and that he has been um, supportive of voting rights and politicians on both sides of the road. So um, right now, the panel has hired an executive director, which is Sue Hammersmith. Um, they are up against the clock in trying to redraw boundaries um, by a September deadline because they don't have yet the um, they don't have the census information, um, which was delayed by COVID. And as a result of that, um, you know, once we get the census information, everything changes. You're going to have unfortunately, probably a much lower population in Michigan or significantly lower population in parts, which means that we may lose one or more seats in Congress. And also, if Detroit shows up the way um, some people think it might, Detroit also may lose representation. So they need to know that before they redraw the boundaries. And these boundaries have to be in place by the November 2002 election. So early in um, 2002, you've got to know what seats are available to run for. Um, So um, it's an exciting opportunity. Um, It's kind of frustrating um, that we are, um, you know, at this moment in time, so late in the game. Uh, I think people wanted to redraw boundaries a lot earlier and um, based on some court rulings and the the GOP has really, um, you know, stopped that from happening. And I think that when you look at gerrymandering as a primary method for voter oppression or voter suppression, a way to make marginalized Black voters by putting us all in districts that
0: aren't, um, you know. That are drawn disproportionately and wildly. It's just not even, it doesn't even right. make sense to legislative but, maps here in the but, state. But,
1: right, but what they do is also they group Democrats and Black people in these districts where they're all together. And then they have these districts that are all white. Or majority white that don't have much um, democratic representation and when you have that the republican who represents the district that is all republican has no accountability to black people who may uh-huh. live in the mm-hmm. store or across the street from the white people within um, and that's where you get hyper partisanship where all of the people are grouped into different areas and one um politician from one party is not accountable to people from the other when people talk about people working across the aisle Large, that was largely because people understood that they had to appeal to voters across the aisle, um, and that's not happening now. So I'm really um, disappointed it's taken so long. I'm cautiously optimistic that we are going to have new boundaries that make more sense. And I'm happy to say that ECN is um, partnering with this um, organization to um, help communities in Southeast Detroit draw boundaries in our community so that we can figure out what makes sense. We're going to be um, appearing at testimony in June, which is gonna take place in Detroit. Um, There's another one I think um, soon after in Novi, if I'm not mistaken. um, So there's gonna be a couple hearings nearby and we'll let people know about that. So you can talk about what kind of boundaries make sense to you. I know this, it doesn't make sense to me that Rashida Tlaib and um, Brenda Lawrence represent Southeast Detroit, and I can't tell who represents who where. There's no clarity it's, it, and it's around. done, and it's done on purpose. It's done yeah. on purpose. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I move one block away, who will be my Congress person? Right. And, and you why know is that's that the same Congress person that you have.
2: That's interesting that you say that because um Brenda Lauren had an office in uh the Samaritan Center. And then I remember seeing them, you know, move out. And I guess it was when, you know, uh, during or the last time the election or it must've been because again, you don't have, she serves Detroit, but obviously not enough of Detroit to have an office here.
3: Mm. You, You know?
2: And so if you are, if that is your person and you want to get in touch with them, then you have to go what to Southfield or to the next office somewhere because it's no longer right here at the at the the, the means of the community. I also know too uh, a couple of years ago it was something big she was pushing around um, mental illness.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um yeah and and so the thing of it is, is is what happens um like Donna's saying these lines are being drawn and the people don't know. You have to do so much to try to find out. And like, what do you do? Because I know now she doesn't represent me. Rashida is my person, but I'm still concerned or interested in what she was doing with um, the mental illness because we have a number of folks since COVID that are out on the streets in my community and that are having that that are having issues with
3: mental illness.
0: Well, there was, a day 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 was released, uh, yesterday or the day before that uh, National Public Radio um, covered around uh, the spike um, in mental health uh, disorders since COVID, mainly anxiety, depression and um, other things that, you know, are worrisome to some of the folks that, you know, even we are connected to and we know and love. The the lines, the the legislative lines are so crazy. I live down the street from Donna. I live right down Jefferson, not even probably five minutes, and I think we have different Congress people. <laughs> like, it, it really, it, it really is, it really is insane. So it, 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 it's a race. The um, The Citizen Redistricting Commission is um, an independent commission. Um, some of those uh, citizens, if they were uh, a part of a political party, had to state The political party that they were affiliated with. So we know that there are Republicans on that commission. We also know that there are Democrats on that commission. And I think it has evened out. And so now it is, you know, time to draw these districts, uh, get the um, insight from the expert, but also race against uh, the deadline. But really, you know, try to get the federal government to hurry back with these census numbers so that the the, the redistricting here in the state makes sense. Um, it yeah, really we
2: should do that. But I, I think too, um, Orlando, I really think um, having people to understand how things or how policy work, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. really do not understand how policy works. I got a real quick story about, um, I think it was Snyder who, uh, when he got in office, like his first uh, 180 days or 100 days or something like that, he slashed the food stamps or the bridge cards or something like that he did. I know I remember being a Warner Comics and I know I remember a young lady asking me to use my phone she called her worker and she was screaming because it was something that that happened with her bridge car. It was something with her, her 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 stamps or something. And I wasn't really listening to the conversation, but I was listening to the conversation. And so uh, when she got off the phone, she apologized to me for hollering. I told her it was fine. She was okay. And um, and she was saying that her, they cut her off, or either they slashed the amount that she was getting. And so I remember asking her, did she vote? And she said, no, I didn't vote, but I wanted to. I wanted to, I didn't get out. I said, well, you can't be mad at your worker because that's her bread and butter. That's her job. She has to do what somebody tells her to do in order to keep her money flowing. So if you didn't vote, because her boss is who made the choice to cut those. If you didn't vote, you can't be mad at her So a lot of times we'd be mad at the wrong people. We'd be mad at the wrong people. If you didn't get out and vote, how can you be upset when certain things have happened? And that's why I say people need to understand how policy works because nine times out of 10, the people who are making the policies are not the ones that are affected by the change. So Mm -hmm. we need to do a better job at educating um, or at least linking folks to how things are
3: going on i, agree. I don't, I don't think, agree. think that people people that don't vote they don't understand that their vote is important they they really don't understand that they think their vote doesn't matter because every i've i've canvassed for that as well i did that and uh, they'll tell you that what difference does it make it's just one vote so they need to be educated and i i really i really agree with you Michelle. They need to know how, how it works, how it all works. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: it is.
3: And redistricting. I wanted to say something about that as well. And it's, it's a little different, but even in my neighborhood right here on Cadillac, one, the east side of Cadillac is represented by the fifth precinct. The west side of Cadillac across the street is represented by the seventh precinct. That doesn't make sense to me. Because when I call for a car, when I call because there's a, a problem, they want to know, well, what precinct? What difference does that make? We're closer to 5th Precinct. 7th Precinct is quite a distance from us. So it just doesn't yeah. make sense to me.
2: That is crazy because same thing with us, like where I sit, because I sit between the golf course and, and the freeway area. So I'm, 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 I'm represented by the 5th. But if there's something going on on Hopper, that's the night, which is so crazy yeah. because that's okay. what 50 steps, maybe 25 <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, and the thing of it is, is that so now what we have to do as a community is that we have to make sure that we are uh, that we know who the neighborhood policing police are so that when we have problems, depending on where those problems or issues are, that we have to call the right ones. Now, that's not fair to us, but that's the only thing that we've been able to come up with because of what they're doing, which is so crazy. So we need to know who's who. So we have to invite both
1: to the meetings. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead, Donna.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, <coughs> I think that... We put a lot of demands on voters um, to understand the relevance of um, the the message and understand the relevance of voting, but we don't put as much on politicians who get in office, don't represent local communities, sell us out, run on campaigns that have nothing to do with the lived experiences of the people inside our communities. If you are running for the middle class and you're helping the middle class, the middle class needs this, the middle class needs that, and you are not a person who considers yourself a member of the middle class, then um, are you motivated to vote? Or are you required to understand that your primary needs are not as important as these other needs because nobody runs on, you know, issues that are really relevant to people in our community, and they don't because we don't make them, right? And so I feel as though those of us who have the knowledge and the power need to put more pressure on people. Um, When people know what's relevant, they show up and show out. And the example I will give is when Barack Obama was running for president, Young people all over the nation believed this is going to make a difference. You had voting lines around the block with young people, standing up there looking like they just came out of bed people dressed up people all in between i had one woman call me and i was working at the brightmore community center in 2012 the first time the second time that he ran and this woman called me she was 70 years old she had never in her life voted and she wanted to know if she was registered to vote and how to register so we were a voting precinct that's the reason people used to come there you know voting um that it was a voting place but We got all these calls. And I I think I say that to say, run on something, run for something, talk to people, listen to people. And I guarantee you, if people hear your message, listen to your message, and they believe you are sincere, some people are not gonna need to be convinced by any of us to show up because they see themselves connected to those issues. Yes, we need voter education. Yes, we need to do a better job helping people understand the importance of it all. But some people feel as though Black voices and Black votes have been used to prop up Democratic candidates who are not accountable to their communities. And yes, do they do a better job, the Republicans? Yeah, okay. so we're not trying to cut off your welfare benefits. We're not trying to do anything to increase them either. And have they increased in um, in recent years at all? can you even get on i mean i think that the the data is the last data i saw was that in 1994 about 88% of people who qualified for um cash benefits um for welfare who were poor enough to qualify for cash benefits received them about 88% and in 2016 it had dropped to about 13% and it did this on our watch, we had 160,000 homes or one out of three homes taken by for tax closure on our watch. And it's not just that it happened. It is that we did not have people in Lansing screaming, kicking and screaming and say, Mm. change the law, change the law. We've had water shutoffs. And we have not had a Detroit delegation stand strong and make demands and say, you know what, mayor, whoever you are, if you don't change this, then we're not going to support legislation that you care about. And that's how politics works, right? Right. It is, it is,
2: Donna. It is how it works. And we just don't do it here. We don't do it here. We don't hold the folks accountable. When when we tell, I mean, I'm not, and and I'm not trying to throw shade. We supposed to have 20 minute neighborhoods. I haven't gotten my 20 minute neighborhoods and we going on (laughs) the third one. We going on the third run now. So- yeah, so yeah, I mean, you know, yeah huh? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, so if, if if you promised twenty minute neighborhood, okay, we didn't get it. You promised twenty minute neighborhood, okay, we didn't get it. Am I supposed to still think that you about to go around here on the third row and say twenty minute neighborhood? No, we. I ain't got my twenty minute neighborhood. No, mm-hmm. you you didn't ran out of time. And and, and 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 we we are not angry enough because I'm gonna tell you. When they do stuff other places and folks angry, look at in New York, they didn't want Amazon in New York. Did they get Amazon in New York? Did they get it? No.
0: You know, they one of the things be- that I learned though to, to just interject really quickly uh-huh. is that how do we how do we outsize this level of number one engagement? And passion and education to reach the broader community. This is a conversation that Donna and I had because within our little circle of folks that we talk to on a regular basis, people get people get this. People get the nuances of all of this. One of the things that you know be, that became apparent to us is like everybody isn't thinking the way that we're thinking when um, pr- when the pr- uh, the proposal in passed we were like in in the margin by which it passed it it was it was a huge wake up call for us to be a bit more not a bit a whole lot more intentional with outsizing the education that we have the the level of engagement that we have to get people Thinking to get their minds running and to get people actively engaged. I want to give a quick shout out to Detroit Action and Brandon Snyder and a lot of the other uh, election election organizing nonprofits that do this kind of work and education uh, year round. And there's been some progress, and there's been. Uh, You know, some some movement on the needle. But I think all of us who are in this space and who have these conversations regularly, uh, we know we got to figure out how to outsize it.
1: Did we vote for that? Did we really vote for that? Yes. And you know why? You know why? Because people are misinformed. People don't understand why things are. Those of us who work in this and toil in this and look at policy every day understand what's happening, right? But if people are not working inside of neighborhoods every day, are not in touch with people in political office and aren't following policies, what they see is, well, you know, whatever explanation is given. The wider neighborhoods, what what are, are, you know, there was just an article I just posted on Facebook a couple days ago where at the um, at the state of the city the mayor said that there were going to be 240,000 more jobs as a result of or, um, uh, as a result of, oh, no they he made some type of jobs promise as a result of this GM cars these electric cars being sold yes, he did. Um, and and you you heard you remember it right and yeah. GM said I don't know where he came up with those numbers that- <laughs> Here, they get those numbers <laughs> and John. And John Roach came back and said, well, that, those are his aspirational numbers, his aspirations for GM. This was him saying something and really overstating the role of this GM plan Planner, what's, um, what's happening there, to try to um, say, look what we did, we turned this thing around. And it's not true. Maybe Trump
0: not sure where that number came from said GM spokesman Dan Flores in an email to the Detroit Free Press we never confirmed an annual number production will ultimately be determined by customer demand the 250,000 number is a long-term aspirational goal the mayor came up with it did not come from anyone at GM but it is the mayor's hope for the long term said the mayor's spokesman John Roach in the email right. and so one baby of the Trump, things i'm going to maybe
1: well, I'm not, let's not, I'm not calling names I ain't what, called, I am, no. <laughs> I, what I'm going to call. I'm not going to call names. Okay. I you apologize. Know, I apologize. Let's, let's, I apologize. Yes. Let, let's focus right. on this. You're right. We let's let's not. Focus we on re, we're, we're not. not. I'm, I'm focusing on the behavior of politicians to say one thing and to, to put these inaccurate statements out in a way that influences political thinking and knowledge among people. You watch the state of the city addresses and you should not have to fact check your own mayor and say, is this true? But we do, we have to have a fact check. And why do people do that? They do that because it helps them retain their political power. When we have honest conversations about what's happening in this city, how people are doing, then people who are voting can can make better decisions. But keep in mind, 20%, perhaps, of voting eligible people in the city show up at the polls. Flip that 80% of the people who are eligible to vote in Detroit don't vote so if we're surprised that certain things pass remember that we have small numbers, maybe in a good year. Um, 40% of registered voters, which is different than eligible voters show up to, to vote, maybe in a presidential year, but that's not reflecting all of the eligible voters, we have an issue here and a lot of the people who are eligible voters are people who are senior citizens in um, living in care communities where they are not necessarily as connected to the issues. Young people are really vastly underrepresented at the polls. And a lot of times, young people have the biggest concerns. So if you want change, young people, you need to understand that um, you know politics starts at home. And we need to do a better job. And the hometown, whoever is mayor, I don't care who you are as mayor, if you are a mayor and you think you can get away with not telling the truth, or painting stories or enacting policy that does not benefit the majority of Detroiters, you very well may, especially because your campaigns are being financed by people who don't live in this city and don't mm-hmm. have residents best interest at heart. A lot of times your politics are being, um, are being impacted by credit rating agencies because if you want to sell bonds, you have to have a good credit rating. And so how does how does your city's credit rating line up in order for you to sell these bonds that you wanna sell it for the $250 million and the proposal in bonds? You have to have certain kinds of policies in place. And we don't so understand can, that. So can I ask a question and you guys might not know. This is what I would
2: like to know because I don't know a whole lot about the bonds. So if we have this big old bond and something happens where it doesn't be paid back is this a way that we could be set back up again for bankruptcy or is that like like are we falling into some of the same things that have transpired prior so i know we did have a a emergency manager at one time that you know maybe uh push some of those things but Could this bond hurt us in the long run if things are not managed right?
1: I would defer to a finance expert. But what I will say is that um, what happened in Detroit in the um, 2000s was uh, risky credit swaps. It was predatory borrowing on behalf of the city. That was pushed by Wall Street and pushed by other people. Selling bonds is not the same kind of risky practice. so. Um, I don't think that's the big risk. And in fact, we're replacing borrowing of some money that's being paid off soon with borrowing a different money from a different source or borrowing money for a different purpose. So I don't think that that part is new. I think the other thing though, is that we have to look at retiree pensions and the pension balloon that's coming up and ask ourselves, are we ready for that? And again, I am not a finance expert, so I'm really speaking a little bit above my pay grade when I talk about this, we want to bring on a finance expert who can really explain how these things work. But my understanding is not that this is necessarily going to bankrupt us. I will say this. If you borrow money to do something, you're not going to be able to borrow money to do something else. We chose to borrow money with the primary goal of tearing down houses. We didn't choose borrow money. We could have borrowed money to build recreation centers. We could have borrowed money to do other types of things. And a lot of times the city will say, well, you can't do this for this reason, but the city decided that this is the public purpose they wanted to pursue and that's tearing down houses. And I wanna say bond rating agencies like that. I wanna say that potential investors like that, corporations like that, get rid of light. certainly, Um, If you are in the business of contractors, big contractors, like the fact that you are creating jobs and creating revenue for them. Um, What we didn't do is survey people in the neighborhood, survey people in the city and say, what is the highest and best use of $250 million? It's very possible they would have come back and said demolition. And then, cool, you're doing, you're acting on the people's will. But we Mm -hmm. didn't ever try to figure that out. And I believe that when I talk to people in neighborhoods, when you talk to people in neighborhoods, when Orlando's talk to people in neighborhoods, I've heard different priorities than
0: demolition. always, (laughs) every time. Look, we got to move on, y'all. Look, uh, fresh off the press, Detroit police green light plan to stop illegal drag racing. One of the, listen, the summer is coming, the sun is out, the Chargers and the Challengers and the Mustangs are coming out too. And people mad because they've been showing up at the Detroit Board of Police Commissioners going off about how these cars are drifting through neighborhoods. These cars have been drifting through neighborhoods. I will say that there is uh, you know, this, this, this drift racing, drag racing uh, car meets. It is a part of the fabric that makes Detroit, Detroit. We are the motor city, the motor city. It is a part of the culture that makes up the city of Detroit. So one of the things that they are trying to do that James Craig wants to Excuse me police chief James Craig wants to figure out how to do is how to section off certain areas in the city and put regulations in place whereby residents in the city can do this kind of car meet drag racing safely and not through neighborhoods. you see them doing donuts. You see them, you know, drop and you and you and they'll be doing it in front of the in front of the cops, yeah. like in front yeah. of the in front of the police. And because it's so many, it's so many of them, uh, the police can't get everybody. So here's here's what they're saying. They're saying that um, if you are drag racing illegally, uh, they have undercover cops at these meets now, and they have helicopter technology. Um, and uh, technology within the squad cars to get your plate, confiscate your car, impound it, and actually take your car from you. Like you can't get it back. We're taking a car from you. So that's one of the, uh, uh, one of the answers and solutions that the police department is providing right now early on in this quest to build out uh, a plan to help stop the illegal drag race and the other piece of that plan is the police department is talking with leaders of these car clubs. I, this is really fascinating to me leaders of these car clubs that hold these kinds of events where the, the, the charges and the challenges are doing donuts in the street going crazy uh, racing to figure out areas in the city where they can, number one, do it safely and put rules and laws in place uh, for uh, this this drag racing kind of thing. Because one of the things that I know is going to happen is that this is going to continue to happen. Like people are not gonna stop doing donuts in their cars. We on the lodge with it. They was on the lodge with, yes. <laughs> lodge they, with it. Baby, they they crazy. Oh. Listen, yes, so right here, they, right here. Oh, by where my point real quick. So they want to figure out areas and draw some sections off in the city where this can happen safely and uh, within the legal structure. Go ahead, Michelle.
2: Do, do we, ha- I wonder if we have an area that's big enough already, but I do know it really is time for them to figure out how to make this happen for those folks. I, I mean, you know, uh, and I mean, they really need to figure out how to do it as far as you come in, you sign on the dotted line, you have insurance, if something happened, you don't sue, this is your own free will, you doing this by your own content or whatever, because they need to go ahead and do it. Because uh, I do know right before they close down St. Jean, I'm not a late person. I'm normally in bed very early on. So I don't get a chance to see or hear the drag racing because it goes on at a time when I'm normally asleep. However, I was out one night coming up St. Jean, um, coming from Kerchifer Way. And I saw a whole lot of cars and stuff. And I remember coming down St. Jean, but I remember the left side of it being uh like the cars where you couldn't come, whatever traffic was coming down had to come on my side because they had mm. made it to where
3: the the lanes, idea.
2: right, the lanes going, I guess, uh east or whatever, they they made that. So even the trucks knew to come in these particular lanes that were at Chrysler. So they were using the other side to do the racing and using the other, the one side for the back and forth. And I I remember looking at it, but it was amazing. It was cut off. It was no police out there and they were just, they was racing. And so they do, they've been doing this for years. So they really do need to find some way that they can do it, you know, and I mean, and the people know that they could possibly get hurt, but they're doing it. So Let's find a way that they can do it and do it where it doesn't harm the folks outside of them.
3: Well, they use Cadillac as a one, a one way, they go Cadillac South to North, and then they come back around Hurlburt, which is a one way North to South. So they make this circle and they're just, they're flying in the it's middle of one, two, three o'clock in the morning. I mean, and it's just, it, it goes on forever
0: right. And you got and you have your grandson there. Absolutely. And so this is why there has been such a push. I have been talking to neighbors all last year. It's been a push everywhere for these speed bumps on these residential streets right because because of the, the racing and the drifting that happens on these residential streets and you you take care of your grandson and so it really exactly. it really does impose like I, I want to respect the culture but I also want to reemphasize that it imposes a real danger when you do that in residential neighborhoods you have you have, you have a, you have a yeah. toddler.
3: <laughs> yes, I, mean, I and, think- there, and there are lots of toddlers around here. And, and, and what do we do? How do we stop it? You know, I called one day because there was a gathering of uh, cars and they were doing cars and bikes. They were on Connor and Harper. And I called to let them know what was going on because someone was going to get hurt at the rate of speed that they were traveling. And I was right there in the middle. And so they want me to give them all this information you do, can you get a license plate can you describe the car no i can get i need police over here i need somebody to stop it now you know so but they didn't do anything about it
1: yeah, so i, mean, I, have I, to do I don't something know i don't
3: about, know what else to do
1: yeah something needs to be done i think we need to do
0: donna you just muted yourself
1: Oops, i'm sorry i think we need to do something about building reconnecting some young people with some with communities It feels like there's this um, separate culture that has just been completely disengaged. And we call it the culture. But where is the connection where people feel mutually accountable to each other? And I'm not going to put it all off on young people, but I think policing is the end stage of something. What about self-policing? What about um, spending some time listening and trying to really work with people to create some type of social change, which is in need in so many areas i think we have a lot of angry young people a lot of hurt young people a lot of untreated trauma and the way it shows up is in um doing things to place people at risk sometimes that's just ignorance but i think we call some broken behavior culture because we don't have another word for it Um, if i'm placing your child at risk and i don't care now it's one thing if i don't know but if i know and i don't care that's not culture that's something else. And we need to figure out what that something else is inside of our community. And I think you know, you have a whole generation of people who don't feel cared for, don't feel cared about, feel as though, you know what, we've had to basically um, manage things on our own. And they don't necessarily listen to elders. They don't necessarily respect elders.
0: Um, and you know, Donna, I don't know. I'll, I'll push back on that just a little bit because this is something that has been passed on for like this was happening when I was a, a, a little kid behind the airport, your generation and the generation after you know like folks have been doing this for a long time and I don't know if that's passed down trauma or passed down culture but it it is something to be said about Uh, this community because and and what they do and where they do it i i don't think i think because there may be some and i don't know what it is some kind of value in it that the police department is even willing to work with the leaders of some of these clubs to say hey we know we know this is what you love to do let's figure out how you can do it and do it safely right yeah because
2: yeah, I know that you probably get some some what they call them first responders on site. You know, you probably have some first responders that wouldn't mind, you know, being in, in in places to help out. You probably have some, you know, everything that you need. What they do the the Grand Prix or something, you know, not we we not the Grand Prix, but I mean, come on now. They they do it for Bell Isle. They scare our animals, you know, cuz a lot goes on when the Grand Prix comes. All that noise and everything. But guess what? they do it because what? It's money. And so it's, you know, they, they see a benefit in it. So let's see a benefit Thank in you, our young be the
0: plan. How How can communities benefit economically from this? Because, you know, they're betting on that. And so if there is a mechanism in place to capture some of that revenue and reinvest it in communities, I mean, there, you know, we can be creative and really think of ideas on, on how to harness this for the betterment of, of everybody, because it is, it's everywhere. I was on, I was on, I was on the West side, shh, don't tell nobody and on Grand River <laughs> and, um, <laughs> on Grand River and Joy Road, it was the same thing happening over there. I'm like, no,
1: yeah, I, I just think that yeah. when you are placing people's lives at risk, that, that there's something about that, that yeah. it's not just, sure. well, this is what we like to do that's not cool to me. I don't care whether this is a culture of walking around with AR-15s, when people's lives are being placed at risk and when you're engaging in risky behavior, we have this way of wanting to respect certain things and I wanna respect them too. Um, people die from this. I know people who've died uh, yeah. being thrown out of cars and um, in, 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 in yeah. accidents. And I also think that um, when you're not doing it in places where you it's just you, when there are other people around and you do it anyway, and we're, that's passed on. There's certain things that we pass on that maybe we need to stop passing on. Did I you. think putting them in safe spaces is one thing, but you know, you're know, you driving down the lodge sometimes and there's cars driving 120 miles in, in next you. to you. And it's not cool to me. I don't think it's okay for you to d- endanger me. And I'm not going to be respectful of things that place other people's lives at risk ever. And that's just oh, me. And I that I me. I know that may make me counterculture. But you must don't you do not do grass shit. About- Donna,
2: Donna, do you go down grass shit? Absolutely. Because they slide they down grass shit like that too. <laughs> we were on grass. <laughs> no, I was on grass shit Sunday before last. It was Sunday before last. I kid you not. It was a friend that we we were riding. And every time something happened, all we could do is look at each other. And, you know, I kid y'all I'm- not. I I, I ride grass shit a lot. But I kid you not. I know I've seen police like pull people over. Or they do those things, or like you can go down at sometime and you will see police on both sides just sitting. But this particular day, they really needed to be out there and they were not. And when I tell you they were flying, I saw a uh, uh, right by Matt and uh, it, I was in the second lane. It was a truck coming from behind. We were at the red light. All three, all three cars. The truck came from the back, came all the way over to the yellow lane where you make the left turn when the light changed, went across all three of us. Made up, a, came a right and came across all three of us on grassy. Like for real sir, if you anybody would have uh, if anybody would have moved when the light turned green, we would have hit that car from the side. Mm. And that's like, yeah.
1: yeah. Is it's that probably- all of Gratiot, Michelle, or is it Gratiot east of ninety-four? I think it's I think it's east of ninety-four,
2: but I guess they can probably. I think they. No, it's, it's they can it's like pass the ninety-four
0: because you you getting away from the ninth precinct. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's right it's past the, the ninth side. precinct. Yeah.
2: Soon, it's like soon as they pass the ninth precinct, that now they won't fly past the ninth precinct. But soon as they get past that ninth precinct. That's when all that traffic start. It's like they they figure they can hit the lights now, going all the way downtown or something. Now mm. I
0: completely agree with you, Michelle and Donna. It now one of the things that's different than for for me that I that I can actually see now versus when I was younger is they used to go behind the airport and do it and do it there, yes. right? But now they just like in the streets, yes. among everybody else, that's going nuts because they
3: say. tape it. It's take, they get bragging rights and it's fun. They get to watch each other do it and who did it the best. And you talk about having it done in a legal area, that's not gonna fly with them, I don't think. Because what, what will they brag about? You know, like when you do things in the dark, how much fun it is more fun to do it in the dark but when it's brought to the light, it's when attention is brought to it, you're not gonna do it anymore. But these guys like to be on social media, bragging about what they've done. Mm. So I don't see and making money from it. How many of them would pay to do that or just go out and do it freely like they do? Because there are no police out there. That's the thing, people. We don't have policing like we should. We need more officers in the street. So that's interesting.
0: That's an interesting conversation. And I want to, you know, because we we talk a lot about policing um, in this city.
3: you know you know and i my issue with policing with the neighborhood policing i have been trying i'm going to say almost a year just to get them in my district to come to a meeting just to talk as of yesterday i still had no response from them i've called i've texted i've not texted i've emailed i've talked to one who's going to get the message to others i got every, i have everyone's email And I get no response. Is it the fifth or the seventh? It's the fifth.
2: So I do know Jay Henderson, who's the president. And so, you know, maybe you reach out to Jay. I'm not saying that 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 might make a change or, you know, like you can get shot to the front of the line or anything like that. But um, because we haven't been having our community meetings. So, you know, you know, some things sometimes do get maybe lost in the shuffle and so maybe you can reach out to him you know and maybe <laughs> you know and maybe ecn i don't want to say you know we can but maybe we can kind of put some uh ask about them you know doing our fifth precinct meeting because we haven't had one since last year with the uh covid
0: yeah with the community uh, yeah, yeah the that,
2: community yeah. yeah and i don't yeah. know what i don't what, know if it's the fact because i do know you know sometimes people are not um they might be uh, computer challenged or something like that. So they might need some assistance, you know, or we might need assistance with, you know, getting some of the people, you know, on a Zoom call. But we definitely need to have one because we haven't had
3: one since last well, year. Well, I'm sending a reminder today and hopefully they'll uh, respond before Tuesday.
0: Absolutely. Listen, uh y'all, this wraps up our fresh off the press segment. The streets be talking, don't it? If listen, yes. if you have pieces that you want discussed with authentically Detroit, you can hit us up on our socials at Authentically Detroit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at authenticallydetroit at gmail.com. We're already running long, but we have to allow uh Michelle and Dolores time to talk about um, you know, what's happening um uh, on the pavements of your neighborhoods and uh talk about we really want to we really want to hear your perspective on how things are going within the leap coalition uh structure and you both have been there since the beginning how are how have things evolved and changed over time and how's the work you both are chairing committees so that means you are you are leading um this work H- how's it going
3: well I'm gonna I'll start um, Things have changed a lot. We don't have, we don't have the, um, I won't say representation, but we don't have the uh, participation from our community that we used to have. Uh, and now I'll I'll just say due to COVID, it's almost impossible to reach them other than going door to door, hanging things on their doors, and hoping for a response. And how do you get that? That's that's the strategies now trying to bring the community back together, trying to be vocal in your community without without having a space to gather, okay? Mm. Now that the weather has changed, we can gather outdoors and we can be on our porches as Michelle was saying earlier. So a lot of things have changed, but I have to make that change uh, say that it's due to COVID that we're having such a challenge communicating with our with our neighbors. That, that's my experience. So but what you're bad. talking
0: about kind of just really lays bare the, the deep inequity that exists in our communities when it comes to accessing broadband internet and being technologically uh, astute enough to participate in some of these activities that have been going on um, right. on, on virtual platforms.
3: Right. And uh, I know one uh, area, one group was saying that they do mailings. But you have, that doesn't, because if I mail you a, um, a link to the, to the meeting site, to the Zoom meeting, and you're not, uh, you don't have the knowledge as to how to get on a Zoom call, or, you know, how do I educate you to that without having a person to person meeting, and you don't want people in your homes because of COVID. So, and we didn't, this wasn't happening before because we could just get up and go to a meeting. So I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm at odds. I don't know exactly what to do I, and I need my community. I need them mm-hmm. to come back together. So, so this, uh, this canvassing that I'm going to do today that I've done earlier, that we've done earlier in the week, I'm just gonna go to every door and mm-hmm. I've, I've got material for them. And I'm just praying and hoping that they will respond and we can can have that camaraderie again.
2: So Dolores, maybe one of the things um, Town Park Neighborhood Association can help you with is maybe um, doing a door knocker and actually showing folks maybe like a step-by-step on how to do the Zoom on your phone. And maybe we can put it up there for, uh, on one side, it could be for Android and Mm -hmm. on the other side, it could be for, Mm uh uh the eye the iPhone. iphone. Okay because okay. what we've done over here at Challen Park, uh last year we had a couple of um in-person on Zoom at the farm. Okay. And so okay. what we did prior to letting folks know who came out is that we were gonna be transitioning to Zoom only. And so if you needed to learn how to do it, the last two meetings of the year that were in person you were able to come out and learn how to do it on your phone. So you, yeah, you know, and then sometimes you can actually uh, send a person a meeting one-on-one and and walk them through on Zoom, you know, having them to click here, click here and do that. And sometimes that helps. But um, yeah, but we'll talk offline and we could probably help you with some of that. But one of the things I would like to say uh, about- chair,
0: committee committee chair. <laughs>
2: Um, I think the uh, Improvement Committee is doing a wonderful job. So, Dolores, I do have to say, um, I do know that you want to get more residents involved. And I think um, mm-hmm. over time you will. But I think you guys are doing a wonderful job with those who show up. Um, there's a number of community folks that show up, residents, um, is some business owners, and you also have some city officials and city departments. Yeah. So you don't have, you might not have all of the residents or community folks that you want, but right now you have like a teaspoon of of everybody. So, you know, what you do is just, you know, wherever you feel that somebody is missing, you know, you can also ask them at the table, you know, who do y'all think is missing? Who do we need to reach out to? And sometimes if somebody is missing, that's where it comes up at. But I, I think the Improvement Committee is doing a good job myself as a chair. I'm glad you you
3: said, you mentioned that, the Improvement Committee, and um, the reason that I'm on that committee, this is something that I've wanted to do for many years. I wanted to have a way to get resources to my community, get resources and educate people once they receive the, how to go about obtaining the things that they need Through those resources because sometimes they don't know how to complete an application and i owe i owe that thinking to orlando because i brought some things to him at one time and i had no knowledge that i could even qualify for what he was telling me to apply for and he said just bring this these documents to me and i can show you what to do with them i and that's something that we need we need someone like that in are in all communities and I wanted a community center here in East Village so that I could provide that I could be that person that that helped me. I could pass that on because just because you didn't complete the application properly, you didn't bring the right document. You brought a document but not the one that really needs to go through. So a lot
2: a lot of times you know you get a lot of people who do not get that recognition that they so deserve. And I just wanna say it publicly, Orlando Bailey, and not just because I feel like he's my nephew, but because he has been around, boots on the ground. Um, he's been through, he's seen a whole lot of things and through all, most of the choices and decisions he made is mainly about the community and the community. And so he has that is deeply rooted uh, from his toenails all the way to the top of his head and vice versa. You know, yeah. um, I know his father, I know his mother, I know his grandparents, I know his aunties. And so when you are raised among certain things, so I, I can say he's had the best of both worlds and that makes him who he is. He's not just uh, just uh, on the education side with the degrees, but he's also on the ground and he knows how to communicate with those that are not from the same side of the track that he is. Right. So right. that makes him a unique person. So, yeah. you know, that's- Bless y'all, but sure.
0: we, we, thank y'all, but we here to talk about y'all. Michelle, I wanna <laughs> talk to you. Thank, thank you, no, I really appreciate it, thanks. I, but I, there's so I really many people you. who
2: feel that way and they don't come out and say it to you. Right. So I just, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there because a lot of times, People, the the ones who really do the work, do not get the the recognition, and so you know that you know I I'm, I'm just saying that because because for me too I have a lot of people that that do things for me. Well, people look at Michelle or they look at sustainable, and really I could not do it without those that are in back of me right. to hold right. me up. You you know so yeah and um. And, and, and we are, you asked about LEAP. And so yes. I just think yes. LEAP on the east side of Detroit has been a plan that's been around. And so it's a little bit in it for everybody. It's a little bit in the plan for everybody. If you're a resident, if you're a business owner, if you are a team, if you're a family member, uh, it, it just, it, it speaks to um, improving the quality of life. You know, um, DFC did that that strategic plan for 50 years, but LEAP was already, and I'm, I'm not trying to make a comparison, but LEAP was already forming and doing some things. And then when you look at the DFC, you know, they kind of outline, you know, some quality of life elements and that's already in LEAP. And so, you know, when you look at particular plans, a lot of times people are doing the work they just don't know how to connect it to the plan that's there. Right. So, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to that's say true. about that. And partnering with the neighborhood advisory council, the Leap Coalition partnering with that, that's only going to make our East Side stronger. That's Can you talk about,
1: gonna... um, you talk about what that partnership is um, for people who don't know?
2: So, the neighborhood advisory council, Nat and um, Leap, um, the Leap Coalition. Has decided to partner up so that we could bring um, one voice across the com- across the city. You know, um, we all are in it for the same thing, for the common good of our people, for our neighborhood, and it just speaks to validity when you have. I'll say brains, because that's really what it is. Our brains need to come together and strategically plan. So you know, we do know that. Uh, The what we have is not a one, you know, but however, what we can do is work with those individuals that hold it to hold them accountable to what it is in it, and to make it as as beneficial for our community as we can, given what we have. So, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, I, it's just, I I look at it and the fact that we were rushed to do it and um, then now that they've merged with this new company um, and so much of land uh, swap has taken place. We just need to figure out how we see ourselves over here on the east side in this area around Fiat and the new plant and what we could do together to make sure that we're breathing because we need to breathe
3: yes, and that we is. have
2: people that are working and you know that actually helps to improve the quality of life with that document that we have versus them getting away with what they're doing
1: without the
2: community saying All right. that. All right.
1: So I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to, um, to uh, move because I have a meeting coming up, but I do have this to say. Um, I wanna thank you, Michelle, for your leadership for the Neighborhood Advisory Council and always being a person during the, uh, the Fiat Chrysler community benefits negotiations who stood on be- the side of the community Who stood up for environmental health, and it is very difficult to be the one who takes a stand, and yet you were the one. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud to have you as a member of the ECN team, um, bringing that level of um, integrity to your role in helping um, with the community. I would be remiss if I did not say that prior to you um, coming to work for us, you, you had some criticisms about LEAP. Um, that LEAP was not necessarily doing as much as it could to support other people in the community. And I want to tell you that your critique impacted me in a good way. And, you know, I think that's how it's supposed to work as leaders as you hear from people and you say, wait a minute, let's take a step back. We've got these good plans, um, but are we doing enough to support and equip all of the leaders in the community doing their job? and you may help make me into a better um, leader. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, I think it's because you bring truth and integrity to yes, you what you do and just a heart for the people that you serve. Services. why you work 24 hours a day, taking care of things. And so um, thank you for that. And I think that um, over the past couple of years, I do have to say, I think LEAP has improved. I think the fellowship has helped us push more leadership into the community. I'm so excited that LEAP is now a coalition and that um, we are calling ourselves the LEAP Coalition because it was always kind of vague when I got there. Is LEAP a plan? Is it a group? I don't know what it is. Is it a club? But now that we know that we're a coalition, it allows us to act with more intentionality around sharing voice, sharing power, sharing strength. Dolores, it's great to have you at the table. Oh, well, thank um you. And you've always brought truth, you know, from people don't know. I knew Dolores before I got to ECN. Yes. Yes. So Dolores has always been a person who brings truth to power, who speaks her mind yes. and serves. Oh, and so um, I appreciate your leadership, your steadfast leadership. And I think that it's people like you, but not just you. You got selected for these leadership roles because you are leaders and we okay. need more of it. And, Dolores, Thank we're going to turn that corner. I'm telling you, I believe that once we, um, once people start getting their vaccines and people stop being afraid of going outside yes. and people be, stop being afraid of people, there is momentum there. And it is my hope that the momentum that we have built during a pandemic, where we've actually seen our participation from some people increase. I've met people I didn't know since yes. we've been on Zoom, right? It's like, who are yes.
3: you? Yeah. Yes,
1: yes. So it has created um, opportunity for us to make more connections. Last year, we were planning on going door-to-door as a coalition, as a group, just to go door-to-door throughout LEAP, remember that? And it got side-swapped by, uh, Corona came in and said, sit yourselves down, okay? And we did, But, um, but we're gonna be ready to join hands with you. We've got a really strong Neighborhood Improvement Committee. We made that turn. We get lots of participation from people who have the ability to um, to to invest in the community, and I would be remiss if I did not um, on this um, Zoom um, authentically Detroit compliment the staff of um, of ECM, Absolutely. the staff of Le- Savannah Brewer. Oh yeah, uh,
3: yes, yes, yes,
0: yes,
1: yes. Hand yes. clap, hand clap, hand clap, hand clap, hand clap. <laughs> and i savannah, think that was
0: the first hand clap we've ever had on authentically <laughs> and i love it
1: <laughs> and I, I i just have this to say and i know we do have we're running low savannah asks a lot of questions she's she's got so many questions it's like girl not another question because she's putting her plan together she's like an architect and she wants to know every angle and everything and when she gets done asking the questions what she develops is a masterpiece So um, Savannah is outstanding. Jillian is an outstanding person coming to our team who works hard and really uh, just tries to make it work. Matthew J. Green. We're so happy that Sherry Meadows has joined our team. Um, You know, Jesse Blount. And then also, of course, led by the fabulous Angela Brown Wilson, who is our deputy director for
3: programs.
1: Um, We have love at ECN for the community. And I think that we are now at a place where we're working really hard to share power and help hats off to our climate equity team, which is growing and by the way, we have a couple positions open we're going to need somebody to apply. So if anybody's looking for employment, call us hit us up because we've got some open positions. Hint, hint. Um, you know how to reach us info at ecn-detroit.org send your resume in because we're looking for leaders. And the leaders, what we're looking for is people who understand the community. We can train you on some of the rest. We went through this management thing and we said, okay, what is it that you have to find when you're looking for somebody? And the Mm -hmm. first thing is somebody who has heart and love for what they do, passion. Those aren't things you can teach in the classroom. So if you see yourself listening to this, you see yourself as one of those people, we've got a few positions open right now. I mean, we'll uh, be sending out more details in our email distribution.
0: If you have topics that you want discussed on Authentically Detroit, you can hit us up on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Authentically Detroit, or email us at authenticallydetroit at gmail.com. We want to thank Dolores and Michelle for joining us on this show. What an amazing and fascinating ride uh, with the conversations and everything that was tackled today. We'll see you again next week. Thanks again so much for listening. We want you to catch the wave.